Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, a drive-by shooting in the Central District has left a daycare center considering extra safety measures. Increased pricing is on the table for both drivers and transit riders across Seattle. And Portland chain Voodoo Donuts is reportedly opening a store on Capitol Hill. KUOW education reporter Sammy West and Seattle Times food writer Tan Vin are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. Seattle police are investigating two separate but connected shootings in Ballard yesterday afternoon. Seattle Fire says one person died, three others went to Harborview injured. The first shooting occurred in Golden Gardens Park, the other near the National Nordic Museum at Northwest Market Street and 26th Avenue Northwest. This all taking place as dozens of concerned community members gathered in a South Seattle daycare calling for more to be done following a drive-by shooting outside the center Monday that injured a 47-year-old man. Seattle's new drug law takes effect today amid record overdoses, giving police the authority to arrest people using publicly. The change makes drug possession a gross misdemeanor and brings Seattle's code in line with state law. Mayor Bruce Harrell has emphasized his preference that police refer drug users toward services whenever possible. King County jail officials told KUOW they anticipate more jail bookings as a result of the ordinance, but also expect the courts to grant many of those people pretrial release. And maybe loosen your belt a notch and step out for Seattle Restaurant Week, which starts on Sunday. Seattle area restaurants would really appreciate it. It's a way to pay one price for a curated menu. This year, it's between $20 and $65. Hundreds of restaurants, bars, cafes, food trucks, and pop-ups are hoping for a successful two weeks because many say people don't seem to be eating out as much. They're still bouncing back from the pandemic. It is finally Friday, and boy, have we earned it this week. It's going to feel a bit more like fall this weekend. Nice, cloudy, filtered light for your pumpkin patch photos. KUOW education reporter Sammy West is here. Sammy, really good to have you back on Friday. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy Friday. Yeah, Seattle Times food writer Ton Vin is here too. Ton, so glad you're back. Trish, so happy to be back. Yeah. All right, let's do this. The entire world, you two, feels really heavy this week. And even close to home here in the city, we're grappling with some real terrible truths. Some weeks it's easier to let the light shine in, but this week the children are army crawling and a daycare is talking about fortifying with bulletproof glass. You know, when our babies are trained to do that, I think as a parent, you're thanking God that they're learning survival skills, but also wondering, you know, what the hell we're doing to our kids when we have to teach this that young. A man was shot multiple times in a drive-by shooting outside the A for Apple Learning Center. There was a safety meeting there last night that included the building owner and Seattle police. The mayor was also out there this week talking, but the reality, you two, is there have been a number of scary shootings, and people in this area say they are not safe. Tan, the co-owner of this center, says she's been begging for help with these shootings and drug overdoses across from her business on 23rd Ave South for two years. That's a long time. Yeah, this is my neighborhood, Trish. And it's it sends me to confirm that, yes, this is if maybe dangerous is too strong a word, but it's certainly a crime-ridden area. 
We've been through this before in my neighborhood. And that was when Starbucks shut down. Mm-hmm. One of the six Starbucks that shut down last year because it was a crime-ridden area and it was for the safety of the employees. And I realized there's a lot of controversy when you hear about, oh, hey, Target is closing this and no, they're trying to blame the homeless. But as someone who lived in this neighborhood, yeah, it's a it was a rough Starbucks. And I'm not surprised that I heard what I did. Um, mm-hmm. Trish, I, I think... This neighborhood where I'm at, 23rd and Jackson nearby, it's a good example between the have and the have not. It's a good story about gentrification because if you just go one block northwest of this, it is one of the hippest restaurant row in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's all the stereotypes of a gentrification area. You have a craft brewery, you have a fancy bakery, and soon you're gonna have an artisanal pizzeria and a fancy, and you have a fancy barbecue place now. And the funny thing is, when this restaurant road gets packed, people don't park a block up towards the crime-ridden area. They park in my neighborhood on the streets, like three blocks away, and take the longer walk. Wow, wow, Sammy. You know, you're an education reporter, so. I, I want to know from your observations how this shows up for kids. I mean, I, I think it's a sign of the times, unfortunately, that, you know, this is where we're at, that we're teaching our babies, like you said, um, to army crawl in case of shots being fired nearby. You know, as an education reporter, I haven't heard a ton about preschool students or daycares having to learn this sort of thing. But again, I, I think it's a sign of the times. And, you know, Trish, you- you, you're, we're about the same age, I think, where mm-hmm. you remember these days, in the old days when we went to school, it was like just fire drills, not shoot. Totally. Drill, right? There have been 61 homicides in the city so far this year. That's the most in three decades, you two. And, you know, I think as a city and a county, we have proven at this point we aren't solving things. We're just not there for people in the ways that will get us there right now. And there's no solution, is there, Trish? No. I mean, what what can you do? I I I wish there was a solution. It's just yeah. new reality, and I hate to say that. You're just up against it out there in the world. Just like this daycare owner, she is not doing this because she wants to. She's trying to keep her children safe, right? Her charges safe, and with this bulletproof glass, she has to assure parents that their children are safe. And Ton, it's striking to me your gentrification angle to this, right? Because it is so true that just up the road there, things are very different, right? right? Yeah. That the reality that is fractured for so many people in this city. You know, what I also think about is as someone who worked at a childcare center, it's a tough job. Like ultimately that is what made me decide not to go into teaching I think the mostly women in this industry are so amazing and they put up with so much. I mean, uh, wrangling three-year-olds all day can be a lot. And so just that alone and plus all of the stress the childcare industry is under, the last thing they need to do is deal with violence nearby, talk about having to pay to get bulletproof glass installed in their center. I mean, a lot of daycare providers tell me that they're struggling to survive because of the cost of, you know, paying their employees a decent wage while also keeping the cost of tuition low for families who struggle to make ends meet with how expensive childcare is. 
And so add another cost to that. That just makes me really sad. Like that shouldn't be another, you know, obstacle that they should be facing right now. Yeah. And Sammy, one thing that, to keep in mind also is with this happening, people are going to like not enroll their kids in this daycare. I mean, right. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, if my kid was there, I'd be horrified. I would just call in sick this week and find another daycare center. And it's sad because that neighborhood needs a daycare center because it's a working class family with often single moms or just two people working full time jobs. They need a daycare center. And if we lose this daycare center in this neighborhood, it'd just be tragic. And it's just it's just the ramification is just going to be awful. So many important supports in that one building there, Ton. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, the reasons our young people have guns are complex. Right. And King County Executive Dow Constantine also out this week talking about a new regional office of gun violence prevention that will be under the charge of public health. Seattle King County, the Department of Justice is sending $11 million in grant funding to Washington State for community and youth violence programs. So speaking of money, you two, state transportation commissioners are on the road to raising maximum tolls on the busy I-405 and Highway 167 express toll lanes. We are talking about 12 or $15 by early 2024. That's about three to $5 above what they are right now. I'm having a flashback to last week's Casual Friday show where I got crabby because I'm getting nickeled and dimed all over the place, right? Xfinity is raising prices. We found out this week T-Mobile is raising their prices for a lot of people. Netflix, I'm reading now, also talking about a price increase. Every week, I sympathize with budget planners. Every week, this is a very expensive city to live in. Would you pay an extra $3, Ton? You know what, Trish, I, I would. Um, but here's the thing is, I at first, I did not understand why people are so upset about this. Because we live in a tier society. It's class welfare, right? Like <laughs> This is what we've been talking about, right? <laughs> Think about this, right? Football stadiums, airplanes, you know, you pay more for first class for seats on the 50-yard line. So why is it that we're mad when there's a tier system on the highway or streets? And I think it's because we look at it as a public entity. It's free and equal to all. But I'm sorry, but that's no longer the case in this society mm. anymore. And by the way, by the way, Highway 167, if you guys have never been on that street, it tells me that you have not been to the best restaurant in the <laughs> area. And that is the best dim sum is Triumph Valley, right? And if you get there late, the wait for a table on a Saturday and Sunday is up to two hours. Well, yes, I welcome the $3 toll increase <laughs> because I would take that to make it on time for my meal. There's a difference between laughing and crying. Right? You get there at 10, you get a table, you're fat, you're happy, eating shrimp. <laughs> you get there a little bit later because you're stuck in 167. On, if you Host. get stuck in 167, we're talking a two hour wait for them some. The reason the commissioners are doing this is because they're trying to actually force people to make different choices. They're trying to keep you out of the toll lane, Ton. They say it's been too clogged to maintain the legislature's required speed of 45 miles per hour during peak hours, probably trying to get to that dim sum place. <laughs> so they think raising prices will deter some drivers. Sammy, is this the right approach? Should we make it more exclusive? 
<laughs> I I don't know, but I have to say, as an out of towner who's new to Seattle, Washington drivers seem to be so bad about camping in the left lanes. Like there will <laughs> be like, plenty <laughs> of space in the right lanes where you are supposed to go slower. And I see people just cruising along in the left lanes, like not even the toll lane and the toll lane, actually. No, both of them. And it's like, why? Like, do you understand how these are supposed to work? So I don't know, like an extra three dollars. I, I don't know if that's going to make the difference, but maybe we all need a review of driving 101. That's what I'm or wondering. a robust public transit system. Ooh. <laughs> Trish, there's really no simple solution to this Mm-mm. because as my colleague, the transportation reporter, Mike Lindblom, pointed out, the cost of public roads, construction, labor is so high, the toll fees do not cover it. I mean, the narrow bridge, that's an aberration because that's almost self-sufficient, I would say, but generally it's not. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of money at play here that we really need. We're in a significant budget deficit, according to the transportation commissioners. We need to pay for freeway expansion costs. And I I read a couple of quotes from one of the transportation commissioners who sounded like straight up depressed about the situation. (laughs) Like, I'm frustrated. I've been trying to tell people for years. And one of my favorite journos, once said that paying for roads and bridges is not sexy work, which is why it doesn't come up until like SHIT hits the fan and it gets expensive, like on the West Seattle Bridge, right? Mm -hmm. Which is part of the reason we're in this problem is because we don't pay for the infrastructure up front. I'm from Jersey. Tolls have been part of my life for my entire life. But out here, it is like the wild, wild west. In 2016, more than 30,000 people in Washington signed a no tolls on 405 petition. Trish, Nobody wants to pay. Sammy, I don't think you were around during that time, but Trish, do you remember when there was a toll on 520 Bridge? It was December yeah. 29th, 2011. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Sammy, what happened back then was people lost their mind that 520 was getting a toll bridge. So what happened was everyone took the longer route on I-90 where there was no call. <laughs> so you had to plan stuff like, oh, my God, it's going to be crowded now. So I'm going to leave work early or I'm going to leave work late. Never mind that the toll was only a few bucks and that I spent like two or three times outraged on, on a Starbucks latte every morning. It was just the principle <laughs> of it, right? You're from Jersey, so it didn't seem like a big deal. But for us. It would hit close to home. It was just a principle. I was the same way. I was one of those people who jump on I-90 just out of principle of it. And it's like, you know how like when you're on a diet sometimes and you cheat on your diet one day, <laughs> eating Ben's and Jerry's, kind of ice cream. When I was in a bad mood, no. I had a rough day, I would splurge and go on 520 Bridge. That's how sad and pathetic <laughs> my life is. Treat yourself. Hey, no, I, I can agree that I I do that. Like, I have to justify to myself using the 520 bridge, even though it's usually the quickest way home for me. I live in Bellevue. Speaking of getting nickeled and dimed, Sound Transit is also talking about changing prices for the light rail ride. We can't get in the express rains for cheap anymore. Maybe we won't even get cheap light rail. I don't know. They're asking riders whether they want a flat rate of either three dollars, three twenty-five, or three fifty per trip. So, no more tapping on and off. 
And if you ride it like to the airport, that's probably a good deal. If you ride it two stops to like the university district or Northgate, eh, probably not such a bargain anymore. The short rides wouldn't be as reasonable. Is there psychology though being applied to us here? Like how much would you pay for a light rail ride? (laughs) (laughs) It's deep. (laughs) I feel like it's like, I guess maybe it's an honest system. Because there is no gatekeeper. There's no one to <laughs> I swear, I'm convinced I'm only one of 10 people in the city that actually pay for a light rail fare. Because no, I don't see people taking out their orchids card and just scanning. I love tapping. No, but I don't see people I do doing too. That. I see people getting on light rail, getting <laughs> off. I don't actually see any tickets or orchids card being used. They're also thinking about charging for the park and ride spots, though. And again, this is, goes back to the toll thing. They think this will cause more people to not use them. Do not get me started on this. I mean, that is like, you know, these tolls are part of the and and the crazy traffic here. The tolls and the crazy traffic are part of the reason that, you know, I try to take the bus and the light rail to work. But I, I usually use the park and ride because it's way easier than dealing with transfers and stuff. And I don't want to have to pay for that. I pay enough for parking as it is everywhere in this city. And... You know, I guess I could maybe try to get dropped off, but then, like, that's a scheduling complication that I could see myself just saying, hey, I'm going to drive into work. I don't know if that's going to work. Sammy, I I agree with you. And anyone who thinks this is a good idea, I highly suggest you check out the Mount Baker Light Rail Station. There is a private paid lot next to the light rail station, and no one uses it, including me. Because what you do is you park on the streets. And when the streets are filled, let's say for a Seahawks game, you just park in other neighborhoods instead of paying that fare. They'll walk the three blocks to get to the light rail station. And you're going to have this problem if you start charging for park and ride. I have a 17-minute walk to the light rail in the morning, which I don't really mind very much. It's about as much as I would do, though. If I had to pay to park, I would probably just drive. You know, um, if I was, if I had like literally three more minutes, I probably wouldn't, I would just drive and park and get on the light rail. But since I'm 17 minutes away, I figure I can just run it. But yeah, no, that would be a deal breaker for me. I, If you want people to access the light rail, make it convenient for them to access the light rail. If you yes. want people to use public transportation, make it convenient. All right, moving on to our next topic, which is Portland chain Voodoo Donuts plans to build its first location here in Western Washington. According to King 5, they're setting up shop on Pine Street in Capitol Hill. I don't want to be a naysayer, but I saw a picture of the Voodoo Donuts online and they don't really seem to be what I look for in a donut. This, okay, I'm just a pretty simple gal, I think. I don't like too much too much stuff and there's a lot of stuff on those donuts sammy have you had it what do you think no i have not tried voodoo donuts when i went to portland this summer uh our friends who live there immediately told us that they were way overhyped way too sugary like you get like a sugar high and then you crash right after so instead they took us to this place called blue star donuts in lake oswego Oh, Todd's nodding. (laughs) And it was amazing. Like, these were the best donuts I've ever had. Public service announcement, the raspberry rosemary old-fashioned donut was Mm. amazing. 
on their website, they say it tastes like falling in love. And I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't even say Voodoo is the best Portland chain donut because I, I agree. Blue Star is much, much better. I think the um I think they're great at marketing voodoo donuts. Mm. And I think it's a perfect donut in this Instagram age because it's just very colorful. Right. It's techno color. It's Captain Crunch donuts and Oreo donuts, flavored donuts. But you're right. Mm. It's so sweet. It's such a sugar high. Like everything in Seattle, when it opens, the lines will be blocks long. And I'll be very curious to see if those lines will continue after the novelty has died down. A lot of good donuts. I mean, I would hype family donut. I'm hyping family donut up in the north end. Yeah. Love my family donut up here. Flower box is pretty good in the Hillman City. But I say the best, the best donuts really in the city is in West Seattle. It's called Knife and Hennepin. And Sammy, if you haven't been, it's pretty much deep fried to order. So when you get your donut, <laughs> you got to be careful. You're going to get like pizza. Mouth. You're going to burn your mouth. It is incredible. Mm. I highly recommend it. I'm just glad no one saw my jaw drop when I when I heard, you know, like made to order, like deep fried. And I was just mm. like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a cake it. donut gal. <laughs> I like a cake donut myself. I, I'm a I'm a dunker. All right. Well, good luck. Voodoo donuts. They have great marketing, but probably overly sweet donuts for this gal right here. We're going to leave it there. Sammy West is KUOW's education reporter. Tanvin is a food writer at the Seattle Times. Thanks again, you two. Thanks for having me, Trish. Yeah, thank you so much. So much fun. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. We can only make this show with your support. If you've become a member, thanks so much. If not, help us make more of this kind of work by donating to Seattle Now. We'll drop a link in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecilmore, Matt Martin, and Lucy Suchek. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you Monday.